Hello, and welcome back to K-Day's Comments. I'm your host, K-Day, and I hope you all have been having a magical day so far. Uh, finally, the weather is super nice, and if it is for you too, then go outside and play after you listen to this. <laughs> um, but on that note, let's get into it. Okay, so we had three readings this week, which were Planet Funk by Santiago Freeman, Urban Legend by Wendy Garofoli, and The Multi-Ring Cosmos of Crumping by Christina Zanfagna, I believe. <laughs> um, I'm just going to jump right in with the first article, which focuses on the emergence and evolution of funk dance styles in the U.S. So funk is not one style. It's an umbrella term that includes popping, locking, and electric boogaloo. It can also be used as an adjective to describe an attitude or quality which can be infused into almost any dance movement. The funk styles developed in the 1970s on the streets of LA and, um, and also in Fresno, California in response to funk music, which is gen generally defined by deep drum strokes, um, heavy electric bass lines, and repetitive chords. These dancings uh, gained mainstream popularity after the Electric Boogaloos, which uh, were one of the dance groups that we touched on last week. And the article stated that funk styles hit the beat hard and with precision, and that you can accentuate the beat by stopping on it. And after reading that, I had a question arise in my head, which was, do you think that hitting every beat makes funk movements more predictable and less surprising, or is it satisfying and pleasing to the eye? I don't know. It's just something I was thinking about. Uh, to continue, the funk styles continue to evolve on the streets and adapt to new music sounds, um, like electronic. So modern moves uh, include... Liquid dancing, so fluid motion focused on the hands, gliding, which is sliding with a toe-heel twist, and bucking, um, a distinct walk. And these dances were born from popping and are often performed as improvisational moves at raves. Um, funk styles have also been incorporated into studio derivatives like jazz funk. This new approach takes classic moves from jazz and ballet such as arabesques and pirouettes and fuses them with the street elements of popping and locking. And I had another question that came about, um, which was, do you think instructors of jazz funk should be required to educate and discuss its history with their students, or do you think it's something that you can just immediately immerse yourself in? Does the latter mean that the style has been cast aside as a fad? Um, and I also had one more question after reading a quote by Shabadoo <laughs> that said, you can make any dance funky because it just means that a dancer is giving a move a certain attitude and swagger. Do you believe this is true? And what does it really mean to funkify a dance? <laughs> um, and please, as always, let me know what you all think and if you have some responses for any of these questions. Uh, something I learned from the article was that um, the funk styles are not hip-hop. Hip-hop dancers generally seem aggressive in their movement, whereas funk dancers are known for being friendlier and more collaborative, um, even during intense battles. Um, and I had absolutely no idea that it wasn't considered hip-hop, so that was very interesting to me. Moving on to the next, um, which was all about popping and locking and how the two became associated with one another. Popping and locking both originated on the West Coast, 
Locking was created by Don Campbell, a club dancer with no formal training, in the late uh, 1960s. And I really loved reading about how he incorporated accidental locks and pauses like he was trying to remember what came next. Um, and when the audience would point and laugh, he would point back, which was uh, why pointing became one of the main movements in locking. Um, so I just found that interesting um, because I like to think about what inspires people to make certain choices, especially artistic choices, and how that can just shift and morph into something else. Um, to continue, uh, Campbell started the Campbell Rock Dancers, later to be named the Lockers in 1973. And soon after, uh, yeah, soon after, uh, locking groups <laughs> were popping up all over, um, mainly performing at the club scene. Meanwhile, popping started, started in Fresno, California, where uh, Boogaloo, Sam Solomon, began um, experimenting with a new style, um, in 1975 and it was inspired by uh, the jerk and the twist sam would isolate and tense muscles throughout his body and as he did he would say pop to accentuate uh, his movement and popping is hard edges and angles it's a snap and it's this very forceful thing um and aside from their shared geography, popping and locking don't have that much in common. Uh, the two styles differ not only in movement vocabulary, but also in tone. Popping is grounded, sharp, and smooth, and locking is a much more playful dance where a character plays an important role. Um, and I just love the sentiment behind locking, which was portrayed in a quote that said, it's not a battle dance. It's a dance that was made up to have fun, to uplift people. If I'm at a party and I see you dancing, I come over there and we'll feed off of one another. And this is the type of dancing that brings me the most joy because of its pure, fun, supportive essence. And I just wish there were more forms like this or, um, you know, that this was more common in, like, dance clubs and whatnot. Um... And the whole time uh, while reading, I was wondering why most people um, refer to these two styles as the same dance. And one possible answer from the author described um, was that Sam, when Sam Boogaloo uh, and Poppin' Pete first came on the scene in Long Beach, dancers had never seen their movement style before. However, they were more familiar with locking, so they began mushing the terms together, um, and locking was the most popular dance, so people thought it, there was a connection, um, and people thought it was a direct descendant of locking, so when they saw popping, they called it pop-locking, um, and they also share a similar element, which is strength. And a statement from the article that stood out to me that I completely agree with is... While it's important to study techniques, um, it's even more imperative to delve into each style's history in order to put the movements in perspective. And that's on period, boom. There ain't nothing more to say about it. <laughs> um, and on to our final reading. This one was all about crumping, which I was super excited to learn about because I'd seen the commercialized versions of it, but I was really ready to get into the nitty gritty of all of its historical meaning and how it evolved. Um, and the reading began by discussing how exactly the circle of the dance uh, was seen in different cross-cultural contexts, such as powwow dances, the ring shout, the Italian uh, tarantella, Greek dances, and many, many others. Um, it has a very um, 
universal significance to it. Uh, the formation of a circle is a performative process through which people transform chaos into order. And in hip-hop, it's a way for the dancers to assert their wholeness even as the edges of their lives may seem frayed and unbound. Sort of like building a world within a world. The circle as a ring has various meanings such as an arena of physical combat, competition, artistry, or a place of spirits and religious trance. The hip-hop styles of clowning and crumping embody both the competitive and spiritual aspects of the ring. Crumping in the varying spatial contexts of competitive battle, spiritual practice, and commercial media in overlapping circles of personhood, community, cultural, uh, and society uh, takes on multiple meanings as well. The article touches on breaking and how it um, how crumping has and clowning has had some strong influences from that form, especially with its battles and aggression. Uh, it also talked about how there's a link between dance and dispute. And when I read that, I had a question pop up, which was, do you think you can um, use dance as a means to resolve a fight or an issue? Um, and I honestly don't know, but I think people involved in this dance culture might believe so. And there's a lot of similarities between hip-hop dancing and boxing um, because there's close proximity to one another and the aggression and, once again, the ring. In 1992, after the Rodney King riots, the founder and father of clown dancing, Thomas Johnson, a.k.a. Tommy the Clown, was looking for a way to make a positive change in the South Central uh, community of Los Angeles. He started dancing for little kids' birthday parties, and dressed up as a hip-hop clown, which then paved the way for clowning dance groups to form because the children um, and the people of the community were greatly inspired by this entertainer. Clowning is a highly versatile and varied form of black street dance that combines local styles of G-dance or gangsta boogie and stripper dancing, and it also fuses elements of popping, locking, breaking, and bunk. So there's a lot going on, and it just continued to evolve. And one of the results was crumping. And for this last section of this episode, I wanted to touch on part of the documentary we watched in class called Rise, which talked about Tommy and the history and significance of crumping. And some of my observations were that you can't teach the feelings that come with crumping. You have to come to that organically on your own, because within the form, there's a build of intensity. For these dancers, it's a positive outlet to release some of the aggression and strife that, is, um, that life has caused them. There were some really cool uh, references uh, to the tribal and ritualistic African aesthetic and how there are connections to crumping culture. Um, for example, the face paint that they wear. Um, there was also another part talking about stripper dancing and how it doesn't have to be sexual because it's just a way of moving and expressing oneself and it shouldn't have this negative connotation around it, um, which I completely agree with. Also, something that I loved learning was that through this form, mentors developed and immense support was and is still felt from these closely knit dance groups that feel more like a family. All right, that is all I have for you today. Uh, thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for the next and final episode. Peace.